I had been married for 15 years. My wife, Marie, and I had um, eight children. And I thought things were going pretty well. We got involved with a Catholic family ministry that encouraged us to read encyclicals like letters from the Pope. And I had not really done any of that. I had attended a Catholic college and I just I hadn't read maybe a line or two, but a line or two of an encyclical. And so I was reading uh, Catechesis in Our Times, which is John Paul II's letter. Um, and at first it was hard to read this stuff because there were words I didn't know and I had to look up. Um, but then I started to get, get the swing of it. So I was reading about uh, catechesis. What's that mean? It means to echo and it means to echo the truths of the faith. And so that we're supposed to uh, te teach the faith faithfully, uh, correctly. So I was reading this and it talked about what you do in the family. And it said the family's catechetical activity has a special character, which is in a place, in a sense, irreplaceable. It's like, okay, family is very important. Education in the faith by parents, which should become, which should begin from the children's tenderest age. So we're like, we're supposed to start early, is already being given when the members of a family help each other to grow in faith through the witness of their Christian lives. A witness that is often without words, but which perseveres through a day-to-day -day life lived in accordance with the gospel. And I read that and I was like, okay, so we just like, we need to, we need to live our faith in Christ. We just, we need to be good, right? <laughs> we need to be nice. Um, the, uh, which is kind of a lame definition of catechesis, but that's what I had at the time. Um, this catechesis, this teaching of the faith is more incisive when in the course of uh, family events, such as the reception of sacraments, the celebration of a great liturgical feast, the birth of a child, a bereavement, care is taken to explain in the home the Christian or religious content of these events. And I thought, great, that's what we're doing. Like if something comes up and we can talk about how the faith applies to it, we're good, right? And then I read these next lines and they cut me to the quick. It said, but that is not enough. And it's like, it was almost, I could hear John Paul II with his Polish accent, but that is not enough. And I thought, are you kidding? That's all I'm doing. Like, what do you mean that that's not enough? And so I went on to read and it said, Christian parents must. And I thought, oh no, you just used the word must. Um, like, okay, so this is serious. Uh, Christian parents must strive to follow and repeat within the setting of family life the more methodical teaching received elsewhere. The fact that these truths about the, the main questions of faith and Christian living, so about life, are thus repeated in a family setting impregnated with love and respect will often make it possible to influence the children in a decisive way for life. And I read that and I thought, holy cow, like I, I am, I'm not doing that. Um, and I was like, but you know what? Uh, we're homeschooling. So my wife is homeschooling our children. So like, we're good because this is, this is happening. So I told my wife, I thought I read this thing from John Paul II. And it kind of bothered me until I figured out the fact that, you know, like because we're homeschooling and you're teaching the, the kids. So like, we're, we're doing this. And she looked at me and she said, we, Michael, you're, you're not doing anything in this, in this area. I thought, oh, okay. I kind of ticked her off. Um, but she's right. Like I wasn't doing anything in that area and uh, and so i like i was bothered by that and i and i we were teaching a baptism class at our church and i would uh read through the baptismal rite for the new parents because like we had eight kids so like um I, I like i would know how to go through this right we've done this several times and so this time particular time i was reading through it and it says to the parents you say you know what do you ask of the church 
And uh, the parents say baptism, because like that's what we're here for. We ask the church for baptism. And then it goes on to say, the celebrant says, you have asked your child to be baptized. In doing so, you are accepting the responsibility of training him in the practice of the faith. And this time when I read that, I just stopped and thought, wow, um, like I'm responsible for training my child in the faith. And it goes on to say, it will be your duty to bring him up according to... Uh, Bring him up to keep God's commandments as, as Christ taught us and uh, by loving God and loving neighbor. Do you clearly understand what you are undertaking? And the parents always say, I do. And I was like, I said, I do eight times. And like, oh my gosh, like, I don't feel like I've, I've kept my word. Um, like, uh, uh, like, and it's, and I have this duty to do this and I'm supposed to train them in the faith. Um, and I, I, and I got that feeling that I felt back in college, um, I, I was pretty good at test taking. And the reason I was good is that in class, I would pay attention to the teacher when the teacher would say, the professor, when they would say, okay, this is important. I would put a big star in my notes. This is going to be on the test. And so people, when the time came, I'd study for the test and I would read all the stuff that had the stars next to it and for sure memorize that. Well, this one professor I had at, said at the beginning of the semester, go ahead and, uh, you know, here's the reading. And then during the semester, she talked about a whole bunch of different things and it had nothing to do with the reading. So when it came time for the test, I didn't study, even though she said we were supposed to read it, you know, professors say that all the time, but like, I didn't read that other stuff. Uh, I was busy doing other things. <laughs> and so we got to the test and I started to read the questions on the test and 70% of the questions had to do with the reading and only 30% with the class notes, which is the only thing that I had studied. And I had this sunken feeling. I thought, I am going to flunk this test. <laughs> like, I better try to get as many points as I could. Well, I had that same sunken feeling when I read this thing about training my children in the faith. It's like, Lord, I, like, I, haven't, I haven't done this. And so uh, with that, I was convicted. I was like, I've got to do something. So I started in my family. I thought, okay, I'll, like, I'll do some family catechesis. And I got this family catechesis book and I pulled it out. And after dinner one night, I said, okay, kids, we're going we're gonna to read this family catechism. And I started to read it to the kids <laughs> like, and their eyes began to glass over. At first, they were excited for like a good 30 seconds that I was going to read them something. <laughs> but then they, it didn't go over. They hated it. <laughs> Quite frankly, they hated it. So I was thinking, gosh, I've got to find some way to do this. And so uh, I started to think of like, well, is there some, some other way? And I started to pull up. Uh, what occurred to me was like, why don't you use some YouTube videos or do something fun so that there's like a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. So I started to, to make it more interesting, which is what was the beginning of the strong Catholic dad ministry, at least the, uh, the origins of it. it. It didn't start right there, but 10 years before it started. Um, but I thought, okay, I've got something now. Like I use these cool YouTube videos and we're, we're learning the truths of the faith. And like, I've, you know, I've got eight kids and I'm going forward. I'm doing what you're asking me to, to do, Lord. And uh, at a, about a year later, my son, John Andrew, uh, came into my office and he, and he said, Dad, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, buddy, what do you want? You know, come on in. And uh, he said, he, and he said, Dad, um, you ever notice that you talk about the faith like all the time? And I was just like, well, like I'm trying to be obedient to this thing here. But I was kind of getting ticked off because he had a little bit of an attitude. And I said, yeah. And he said, you're kind of like a Jesus freak. And, and I was, that made me mad. I was like, what do you mean? And he, and he said, you're talking about the, the faith all the time. And I said, oh, okay, okay, I got that. And then I was really mad. So I just said, Deuteronomy 6. 
He said, there you go again. <laughs> you know, he's bringing it up. Well, I had just recently read Deuteronomy 6, and so I know what it says. So I go, so go to my shelf and pull that off, pull that up, my Bible off, off the shelf. And so he opened it up and it, to Deuteronomy 6, and it said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, all your uh, soul and all your strength. Um, and so, and take these words to heart. And so he took the Bible and he, and he closed it kind of like, okay. And I said, no, 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 keep reading, open it back up. So then he opened it back up, kind of ticked at me. Um, and, it's, and then it goes on to say, take these words to heart. And, and then it says in this particular translation, it says, drill these into your children. Uh, drill these into, into your children. Um, and then the rest of it says, uh, recite them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on your arm as a sign and let them be as a pendant on your forehead. And so he read all that and I said, now you can stop. And so he closed the Bible and he worked, walked out of my office and I was just like, yeah, like I, I won that one. Um, I wasn't winning though. Uh, the reality was, yeah, I might have won that battle, but I was absolutely losing the war. I was losing the war for my son's heart. And, and he told me after, he's like, Dad, I, like, I, I wanted you to talk to me and you know, like play football with me and talk, talk to me about you know, Peyton Manning and how, how the Colts were doing. And you know, instead, you're trying to make everything into a faith lesson. And, and so like, I, was, I was missing that when it came to learning the faith and teaching the faith, what is the faith? The faith, what you know, if you just say well, the faith, the faith, what is that just a bunch of dogmas of the church? Well, yeah, they're dogmas, but they all point to one thing, and that one thing is that God is love, is love, He's loving relationship, and so, like, we're made to be in relationship with God, and that that's about like interacting with people and, and talking and not just talking, you know, spouting truths all the time. And so, like, I was really enthusiastic about the faith, but I wasn't enthusiastic about. The relationship that I needed to be having with my sons, like I was missing the half of it, and he even said in that thing from John Paul II, um, it said, "If if you do this in a family setting, impregnated with love and respect, um, and it says the parents themselves profit from this effort that that this demands of them. For in a catechetical dialogue of this sort, each individual both receives and gives." And it was like, you know what? I'm out here just giving, but I am not receiving from my children. I'm not listening to them. And so that really changed my way of looking at uh, my fatherhood and my faith and how I needed to be like paying more attention and, and being a dad who doesn't just like know these individual truths of the faith, um, but a dad who knows the heart of my son and of my children. And it was clear to me that my oldest son was like the spokesperson for the family. He came on behalf of his siblings. They were too young to say what was really going on, but he was old enough uh, to, to be able to say it. And so that totally changed how, how I approached my family. And I had a psychologist friend at some point who said, like, he said, Mike, like, you know, when it comes to heaven, you know, what's describe to me what you think heaven would like, what, what's your best day? He's all, this is you that. And I said, well, you know, like I would, I would get, you know, like, here's my, like I'd exercise in the morning. I'd go to work. I'd get my work taken care of. You know, uh, I would get home and I, uh, you know, I'd get a couple more things done. Then we'd have dinner and we'd say our prayers and, you know, I get the kids to bed and I go back in the office, get some more things done. And, um, like, yeah, like that, that would be a, a, a day well done. And he said, you know, do you realize that you just defined like happiness in heaven by getting things done. I was like, wow, I've got a little app that's called, you know, getting things done. I love to get things done. He's like, but, but you're, you're missing it. Heaven is eternal relationship with God. It's all about relationship. So the thing that you need to get done is relationship. 
and you're not focusing on relationship, on being a good, loving father and uh, an interested husband who's pursuing the wife of, of the heart of his of his wife. Like you're not doing those things. You're just trying to check boxes, and you're annoying the heck out of the people around you. <laughs> it was like, whoo. Um, and so my spiritual director at some point said, Michael, you need to understand that women are wired for relationship. And I was like, yeah, I, I know that. You know, they're good at it. Um, and men are wired for action. I was like, yeah, I want to get things done. And he said, in order for a man to do well, he needs to shift gears and he needs to focus. His action needs to be a focus on relationship. Because when a man gets in in his sight that relationship is the goal, relationship with God, relationship with, with spouse and with children, that those are the most important. It's like, get out of the way. Because men are hunters and they can go after that, that goal really well if they know what they're shooting for. It was like, okay, so like I need to shift gears and focus on relationship. It's like, yep. And then when you start to understand like that we're made in the likeness and image of God who's a holy, like the Father, and what's the father do? He God delights in his children, which means that like I as a dad need to delight in my children. And not only do I need to delight in them, like I'm made to delight in them. Because if I'm made in God's image, then, then me delighting in my children is part of my fulfillment. And that's not what was happening. I was check, checking boxes, make sure that they that they were doing what they, that they're fed and clothed and that they were growing intellectually and physically, they were healthy, um, spiritually, they knew the truths of the faith. But I wasn't checking the box of being in relationship where I was really trying to pursue their heart, get to know them, pay attention to them, find out what was really important to them beside just the way that I was trying to, trying to fashion them. And so, and if you understand God's heart, God, uh, he doesn't just give commands without also giving consolations. Like uh, he, every duty he gives us. So if he gives you a duty to train your children in the faith, it's because it's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring you happiness. Like it's going to be good. And it's not just good for them. It's also good for me. And so you also think back in the garden, God gave the command, you know, to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. All of those things come with a joy. You know, like how many guys do you have to say, you know, Go be fruitful. And they're like, oh man, this is, this is hard. Like, no, they're like, sure, I'm like, I'm up for that. Uh, because there's a joy and a goodness in being fruitful. Well, in the same way, you know, God isn't a jerk. God doesn't just say, okay, I give you a duty, train your children in the faith um, and train them to be in loving relationship and then leave you hanging to where it's just like eating dry oatmeal. And that's a horrible thing. It's like, it's the opposite. Like I started into trying to teach my children about uh, the faith. And then I realized I needed to be in relationship with them more. And as I started to do that and pay attention to them and delight in the ways that they answered questions and what they thought about and what was interesting to them, like it started to soften my heart and I began to really enjoy them. And then I wanted to be more, more in relationship with them. And I wanted to talk about what was important and also hear from them what they thought was important. So uh, strong Catholic dad, the ministry, like when I, when I started to found that, it, it started out of this conviction that I had this duty to fulfill, but it got its culmination and actually the benefits that I never expected about how much I really started to enjoy my family, enjoy my kids. And so, you know, like what a gift that is. And that's the foundation of why I started that in the first place is to let other dads know, like, 
this is good news. Like you're, you're made for this. And it's tough because a lot of dads are thinking, hey, I'm fine. I'm doing well. That's what I would have said. I totally would have said that. And it's like, well, you know, like, you know, we're doing well. It could always be better. It's just like, yeah, it can be a lot better. Like for me, it's been substantially better. And you can see in my family, there's like, again, two halves of the family that you've got the older kids where I have good relationship with them, but it doesn't compare to my younger kids where it's like we, we have, we've done more together. I've been more invested in their life. And frankly, they've been more interested in me because of my love for them. So when I founded Strong Catholic Dad, my goal was to hand dads tools and the t- major tool that I hand them is that is using YouTube videos to connect with my kids, to pass on the faith, but really get to get to know them. And I'll be talking about those more as these podcasts go on because they're, <laughs> they're really fun um, and it's, it's, it's uh, enjoyable. Uh, I'll give one more analogy where I feel like just as a dad, this is, uh, this is how I feel is, you know, Peter and Jesus, when, when Jesus comes to Peter the first time and Peter's in the boat and Peter's uh, been fishing all night. And, and, and when he's there, Jesus is on the shore and Jesus says, Hey, can I get in your boat, Peter? And you take me out in the water and I'll preach to everybody. And Peter says, sure. Cause you know, his brother, Andrew told him, Hey, this is the Messiah. And Peter's like, sure, get in my boat. You're the Messiah. So he's listening. Hey, this, this sounds good. And then after Jesus is done talking, Jesus says, put out into the deep. And so Peter says, okay. And he says, and then cast out your nets. Well, you got to think about that for a second for fishermen. They have been fishing all night, so they're tired. Sound familiar, Dad? You get tired at the end of the day? I do. <laughs> so, like, just think about a Dad. He's tired, and he's already pulled in his nets. When you pull in your nets, they're, like, raggedy. You got you to gotta tie them off. You got to get all the seaweed off. You got to clean, clean them up, and you got to fold them so they're nice so that you can cast them out tomorrow. So we do, all that's just finally done. You've been doing that while this, you know, preacher guy, who's, maybe this Messiah, um, is, is speaking, and... And so like, and Peter doesn't even know him all that long. And, and this guy is telling him in the middle of the day, go out and, and throw your nets again. And so how does Peter respond? He responds, unlike me, who would have said, you're not a fisherman. You don't know what you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a preacher, uh, but he didn't. Uh, Peter must have known that there was something about this, this man. Maybe, maybe he was a, a Messiah. And so he said, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Good, practical. That's exactly what's going on. But then the next thing he says, which is really an act of faith and an act of trust. He said, but at your command, we will let out our nets. So like he was obedient to his duty. And after he was obedient to his duty, they cast out their nets in the middle of the day after they put down the deep and boom, there's an abundant catch beyond what they can imagine. And so it's almost, it's almost sinking their boat. They call their friends over and they fill up two boats. And at that point, Peter just realizes like, I am standing before God. He says, you like, I am a sinful man. He, like it strikes him as like this abundance is well beyond anything on the natural plane. And, and dad and mom, like, I, I'll tell you, that's what's been happening to me in my life as I fulfilled my duty to, to talk about what's important uh, in the truths of the faith, but also in life with my, with my children and enter into more of a loving relationship with them. Like it is transformed me to where like there's an abundant catch and i i feel more and more humbled like lord thank you for these these children these souls that you've entrusted to me like they're more your kids than they are my kids and you love them more than i ever possibly could but darn am i going to try because because i'm delighting in them 
more and more. And I, when I start a strong Catholic dad, it's like, I want that for dads. And dads don't believe it's going to come. They're just like, oh, come on, I'm tired. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to ask me to play YouTube videos for my, my kids. It's like, you know, they get what they need to have in their catechesis class or at, at church. And I was just like, oh, no. Like, the church asks us to do this at home, and there is an abundance that's waiting for you. But you have to trust. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on this trust note because as dads, um, especially like we are challenged to trust. If you look at St. Faustina, so she was alive back in the, the 30s and 40s, um, and our Lord appeared to her, and you'll see it in churches. You see that image of Jesus with the red and white rays coming from his chest, and it says, Jesus, I trust in you. That is the response that we all need to give to God is to like, trust him because it's the complete opposite of what happened in the garden. The reason why the original sin happened is because Adam and Eve didn't trust that God was giving them the best thing. They thought God's holding out on me. Satan's over here offering me that, you know, this knowledge that God's not giving me. So I'm going with Satan. Um, now it seems preposterous now, but we have the same challenge every day as we're facing financial difficulties and relationship problems, and there could be drug abuse and wounding and all these things going on in our life and political problems uh, or, you know, wars and rumors of wars and uh, all this stuff that's going on. And it's like, and it's hard to trust God in the midst of it, but that is our exact answer. Jesus, I trust in you. When we as men trust God, that changes like everything. And Christ said, I mean, like he gave us the formula. You know, if you're into formula, like again, I would listen to what the teacher said and whatever they said, this is important. I'd put a star in my notes. I give you the star in the notes. You open the Bible and it says, uh, Jesus tell, tells us, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Now, he first of all said, you know, like the father knows that you need to eat. The father knows that you need clothes. He knows all these things. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. So trust him in all things. Like don't lie, cheat, steal, like trust him. And if you do so, if you trust him and seek first God's kingdom, everything, all these things will give in, be given in, unto you. Everything that you need will be handed to you if you trust. Like trust is totally the key. It's, it's uh, St. Faustina said, it's the vessel by which we, we scoop up graces that are, and that's what, God's power, God's strength, God's blessing poured upon us by trusting him, even when it seems like, like, hey, I might lose my job. Hey, I'm going to lose money if I tell the truth over here. Hey, I'm going to lose money if I tell somebody I just backed into, you know, scratch their car. I'm going to lose money if, if or I'm going to have some other difficulty that's going to happen if, if, I, if I follow these 10 commandments. It's like, no, it's a complete opposite. If I don't follow them, I'm going to have far more uh, difficulty. And so what did God promise what Christ prom promised? He promised life in abundance. And like, I want life in abundance. And the way to get life in abundance is by trusting God. Like that is totally our answer. And I just think, well, you know, how much should you trust him? Look back at the example of the Israelites in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, there, there were probably 2.3 million people. They estimate uh, that the, 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 the to have all of those people in the, in the desert, the Jewish people, there's probably a million of them. You know, if I'm wrong, it's 100,000. It's like tons of people out there. And, and what happened? Like, there was no water. How do you trust? Like, there's, there's no water in the desert. And so they go to Moses and they're like, like we're thirsty. We're dying. What are we going to do? And what's Moses do? He prays to God in an absolutely impossible situation. They were going to die. They were going to die. And he hits a rock. And the rock breaks forth. 
and water comes forth. You know, like I, you can look online. I did it in one of the Strong Catholic Dad guides. You can look at the Rock of Horeb. You can see it on Google Earth right now. You, and you can see it's got a crack in it. And there are watermarks that come down and flood into the valley below the, the Rock of Horeb. It is nuts. In the middle of the desert, there's enough water to, to feed, you know, 100,000, million people, however many, to, so that they can drink. This is crazy. That's the kind of trust God asks us, that he will bring water from a rock, but we have to trust him and not disobey. And so I would say, like, uh, I'll end on this, is that when it comes to us as dads, like our, uh, and parents, like our priority, our number one priority is the kingdom. And so we put first God, and right below God is our spouse. <laughs> like for my wife, it's like, she almost needs to look a little bit like God in terms of the way that I take care of her, that I pay attention to her, that I seek to love her and, and seek her out. And right below her are the kids. So like they're my third priority and my fourth priority, everything else. Because I've been entrusted with my relationship with God, my wife and my children in a special way that exceeds any other uh, relationship. You know, like those are uh, the primary. And what happens in society? These things totally get flipped. It goes from my job going, whoop, it's the most important thing. And then uh, my kids, because they squeak a lot, it's like, okay, then I got to pay attention. My wife, it's like, okay, who, who's she again? Um, it's like, oh yeah, okay, let's like work this out. And she just becomes a coworker instead of my, my lover and, and the woman that I'm really seeking. And then God, I don't have time for him. Like go to mass, pray, like what's that all about? It's the complete opposite. And everybody, you know, when we live this way, when I lived this way, I was unhappy and anxious. And when it gets flipped and I put first, God, wife, children, and everything else. There is a freedom that comes because I'm trusting a God who brings water from a rock. Uh, so that's what we're all called to, and that's where, where the joy is going to come from. Uh, I'll end with a quote from Mother Angelica. I just love this. She said, the secret to holiness, the secret to really being a saint is to do God's will in each moment. She's like, that's it. You just do God's will and you will be a saint. So we'll end on that. Until we meet again, be strong in faith, strong in hope, and strong in love. God bless. Mm -hmm.